Last week, I was so inspired by all the gifts of hope we saw. This week, we're looking for some divine interventions of joy. Hey, sorry to interrupt you. Before you pay, I want to pay for your coffee. We're trying to spread some joy. Hey, I want to buy your coffee for you. I'm going to pay for your coffee. And this one's on me too. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Just spreading some joy. I'm gonna pay for your coffee. Yeah, let me pay oh, for this. this. No, it's okay. It's okay. I wanna. It's still a blessing. Oh, thank you. Hey, we wanna spread some joy over Christmas. So coffee beans. I'm a coffee guy. I know that'll bless you. So we just wanna spread a little. Look at that. It's all you. It's done. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm gonna pay for your coffee. How come? Because it's COVID, and I wanna spread some joy. Now this guy's gonna order like you know, a cappuccino machine too. Should have ordered a bigger drink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Yeah, we just want to do something nice for people over Christmas. Sorry to interrupt. I'm going to, I'm paying for your coffee. Oh, I want to spread so some much, joy. Well, you bet. You bet. Yeah, Merry, yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Really appreciate that. You betcha. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, take care. Caleb, you've been so good. It's so nice to us, always letting us come here. We wanted to spread a little, a little joy, and a little peace, a little peace for you. So we just wanted to to, to spread some peace yeah. during COVID for our small business people yes. too. Thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. You. Thanks for the coffee yeah. too. Well, that was pretty cool. It's really neat to see how such a small act can spread so much joy. Just buying someone a coffee can mean so much to someone. Now we're headed on over to a lady's house from the church to see how she is spreading joy in her community. Hi Malar. Tell me what you're doing right now. Oh, I'm going to my friend. You're blessed with some biryani and some salad. and. Uh... And, and why are you doing that? I think I'm born and brought up in the way uh, to bless others. That's what my parents have taught me. We all must always uh, demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. Tell me about how, before COVID, how many of your neighbours you knew? Uh, before COVID, I only know my left and right neighbours. But now, after, during the COVID, and I got to know all my neighbours around my cul-de-sac. Because you were bringing them food? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Look at that, yeah, a little bit for oh, us too. Look at that. Oh, huh? thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. What can you do to spread some joy this week? Well, good morning. Joy. It's a word that represents something we all desperately need, we all want. We even know we probably should have it, but it's often just beyond our grasp. And if we're really honest, what is joy? I mean, how do we get joy? How do we keep joy? How do we give joy away? Well, those are going to be the four questions that we're going to look at in today's message. As we celebrate Advent, which has a call for us to embrace hope, joy, peace, and love, both in this season and in the year to come. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, that your mercies are new every morning. And we thank you that we have been recipients of that today.
So Father, I ask that our hearts and our minds would be open to hear from your word, that you have something very special for each one of us today, and that that message from you would be personalized, deposited into our heart and mind, and grow great fruit in our lives for your kingdom. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. I recently met a woman, she's now in her 30s, but as a young teen, she was doing life. She was playing high school sports, lived in a suburb here in Calgary. Pretty normal life, good family. In her own words, life was good and normal. Well, a few choice, bad choices later, and this young woman, really only a girl of 14, found herself experiencing an interruption of colossal proportions. An unintended pregnancy turned Tina's world upside down. Let's roll the, t the tape back. We all know of a woman, just a young teenager, really doing life, engaged to be married, living in a suburb of Nazareth, living in a good family. Life was pretty normal. Well, in this girl's story, there was no regrettable choices, but this young woman, also probably only girl, a girl of about 14, found herself experiencing an interruption of colossal proportions. An unexpected pregnancy turned Mary's life upside down. Two young women both experiencing interruptions in their lives. But it isn't just unexpected pregnancies that cause interruptions, is it? Job loss. Even if it comes with a severance package or you're able to tap into the government wage subsidies, is a disruption of the normal. You're used to getting up, going to work, being productive, earning a wage. How do we find joy when all that ends? Or the death of a loved one? Even if we knew it was foreseeable, it comes with a finality and a shock. And we know that from that moment on, life is never going to be the same. Will we ever experience joy again? Maybe it's having your last child move out and you and your spouse are finally empty nesters and you little, let a little woohoo. But the silence actually reverberates back at you. And it's normal, it's good, but it's different. It's different from how you've come to enjoy life. And you wonder, how will I find joy in the silence? Maybe it's finally getting a diagnosis for the pain that you've been experiencing in your body. And, and even though it was, it, um, you knew it was coming, when you actually heard the words of that diagnosis, it felt like a lightning bolt. It struck you with the enormity of life was going to be different than you had envisioned. Well, and then there's COVID. I don't need to give any further examples, right? We're all living the reality of an interruption to our lives. In each of these circumstances and so many others, how do we find joy? How do we live in joy? I mean, is joy even possible? Maybe joy was just something from 2019 and we can hope it shows up again in 2021. 
Or is joy actually something that we can experience today, this Christmas season, in our reality of 2020? Well, I'm going to flip to the back page of my notes and tell you the short answer. Is joy possible right now, this year? Yes. And here's why and how. Joy is not a sappy, happy feeling. Joy is not synonymous with our circumstances. Sorry, joy is not synonymous with our happiness. If joy were merely happiness, why would James tell us this? Count it all joy. I'm like, yeah, I'm in. When you meet trials, well, joy, trials? When we meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Testing and trials don't usually result in happiness, right? I mean, nobody's happy to get a cancer diagnosis or when a family member dies. No, no. Society tells us that joy is about fulfilling ourselves or creating our own personal happiness. It's about getting a better job, the perfect spouse, the newest toy, the next holiday. Joy is about finding personal happiness. But if joy is about becoming personally focused, self-focused, then how do we make sense of the words of Nehemiah where he says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You see, this tells us that true joy, pure joy, is something that comes from God. It's rooted in him and it grows through his spirit. Look at this, these verses from Galatians where Paul tells us that the fruit or the evidence of having the spirit in us is the growth of love, joy, peace, patience, all the ones in that verse. True joy is not a result of our circumstances. True joy is the result of our relationship with God and the Spirit living within us. Now, I'm going to repeat that because that's actually the crux of the message. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. True joy is not the result of our circumstances. It's the result of a relationship with God and the Spirit living in us. And that takes us to our main passage this morning from Luke 1. We read in Luke's account that Mary was visited by an angel, Gabriel. And she's told, God is with you. You have found favor in God's eyes. She's thoroughly shaken by this, as any one of us would be if we were visited by an angel. But then the angel goes on to tell her that she will conceive and will give birth to a son and she's to give him the name Jesus, which is actually a very common name in first century Israel, but this is not going to be a common baby. He's going to be different. The angel assures her that her son will be great and his identity, his true identity, will be son of the most high. Now, as Mary starts to absorb the enormity of what the angel is saying to her, she identifies a problem. She says, whoa, wait a minute. I'm a virgin. Now, the Greek, the original Greek, we've condensed that down to our English, but in the Greek, what it, she was actually saying was, I've never had sex with someone. I'm not having sex with anybody, and I don't plan to have sex with anybody. My marriage with Joseph is a ways off. How can this be? You've made a mistake. There's a, there's a missing piece here, Mr. Gabriel. Well, the angel goes on to tell her 
the Spirit is going to hover over you. Just like when the Spirit hovered over the darkness at creation and created something out of nothing, the Spirit is going to hover over you and create something out of nothing in your womb. You see, God's in the business of creating somethings out of nothing. Scripture's full of examples of it. Graveyards become gardens. Dry bones become armies. Empty vessels become overflowing with oil and wine. Death turns into life. Nothing is impossible with God. After the angel leaves, Mary quickly gets up. She gets ready. She decides to go visit Elizabeth, her older cousin, whom the angel has already said is also pregnant, which is remarkable because she's an old woman. Again, evidence of God's power. Now, Elizabeth doesn't live, just live down the street or even in the next village. It's about 150 kilometers for Mary to travel from where she lives to go and visit Elizabeth. And we don't know how she got there. Did she walk? Did she get in a, on a caravan? But I wonder what was going on inside Mary's head during those days of travel. I wonder how the angel's parting words to her played over again. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God? I mean, what does that mean for me? What's going to happen to my body? What am I going to say to Joseph? How am I going to tell my parents? What am I even going to say to Elizabeth? What have I just said yes to? This is a really tough circumstance for this young girl. There is no indication at this time that Mary was expressing happiness about her circumstances. I highly doubt that she said to the camel driver, guess what, I'm pregnant. Probably not. There was a lot of uncertainty and fear of what others would think or say or do. This was a big deal to be pregnant outside of marriage. And according to the law, she would be stoned. She may even have questioned, you know, did I hear him right? Did I interpret this correctly? You know, the majority of women don't have any sense that they are pregnant at the point of conception. It's not until you get a positive pregnancy test that you know, and so chances are Mary didn't feel anything. All she could go on was the faith that she was placing in the angel's pronouncement to her. But then, something happened when she arrived at Elizabeth's house and was greeted by Elizabeth that boosts her faith, helping her believe that this truly was of God. And you know what the result was? She was filled to overflowing with exuberant joy. Now, before we go to the scripture and read that, I want us to remember that there had been no pregnancy announcement at this stage. No one knew Mary about Mary, the visit that Mary had from the angel. No one knew of the work of God in her life, her body. But then this is what scripture tells us what happened. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt. That means Elizabeth's baby wept in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice she proclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Scripture tells us 
that Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. And I believe that the Spirit gave Elizabeth words that closely matched what the angel had said to Mary in order to affirm to Mary the angel's promise was real. Her pregnancy was real. God was at work with her. And when that happened, when Mary's faith was bolstered, she breaks into song, into a joyful worship, and says, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things in, for me. Holy is his name. Now, I'm going to say that again. I'm going to read it from the message version this time in just an everyday language to give you a sense of the exuberance, the joy that's coming from Mary as, she, as the faith grows and she, she lives out the reality of what God is doing in her life. Listen, I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God who's his very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. A song of joy in circumstances that had not changed. Mary was still pregnant. Mary still had to explain her situation to Joseph. Mary still had to endure the community scorn, the shame, the possible death. She was still pregnant, something that could ruin her life. It was still her present reality. But remember, true joy does not depend on our circumstances. Joy comes from the indwelling of God's spirit that produces joy in us, fills us to the point where it overflows and we pass it on to others. So often I think we think if, you know, if we could just avoid grief or get over the disappointment, then we could live in a perpetual state of joy. But Mary's story clearly tells us that steadfast joy exists even when there is unexpected interruptions, uncertainty, disappointment, pain, or loss. How can this be possible? Well, those words were what Mary asked the angel. And I believe they're often the question that we ask when our circumstances seem bleak. How can it be possible to truly live out a joyful life? Let's make this practical. Joy is not something that we manufacture. Joy is a result of the spirit within us. What do I mean by that? Well, when we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that his death and resurrection paid the penalty for our sin and we make him Lord and Savior of our life, at that point of conversion, we have the Spirit come and live within us. Second Peter tells us that his divine power has given us everything, not just a few things, maybe not just a half portion. It's given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. 
Now, if you're not sure about that or you want to talk to somebody about it, I encourage you to reach out. Um, send the church a message. Call the church. Talk to a friend. The most important thing that any one of us can do today is to make sure that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that comes with an infilling of the Spirit. And as a Christ follower, we each have that Spirit within us. And when He comes and lives within us, we're given a new nature, which results in spiritual fruit, one of which is joy. Everything is there to see robust, ripe fruit come out of our lives. However, we can impact how joy matures how it becomes robust, the way we respond to our circumstances and the choices we make will either nurture grow and see, sorry, nurture joy and see it grow or it will stunt its growth. And one of the most significant things that can stunt the growth in our lives is sin. Let me tell you something that happened to me this week. I'd started to watch a series on Netflix. It was PG, it all started out very good, but every episode that I watched got a little bit worse. Increase in sex and lies and violence. And I could sense the Holy Spirit saying to me, turn it off. Stop letting that garbage into your life. But I rationalized, oh, the next episode will be better. And I was kind of hooked on the storyline. I didn't listen. And in my disobedience, I shut down the spirit and joy in my life. I felt lousy. I was crabby. You can confirm that with my husband. I was sad. I had a lack of energy and motivation. And here I was trying to write a message on joy. It just wasn't happening. Sin had thwarted. It had stopped my experience of joy. And I certainly didn't have anything to pass on to anybody else. But here's the good news. Experiencing God's forgiveness through confession and repentance gets the joy flowing again. And I stand here to tell you the miracle that comes with forgiveness. God's forgiveness And that I resound with the psalmist David in Psalm 51 where he says, grant me the ultimate joy of your forgiveness. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. See, Jesus tells us that that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sin steals, kills, and destroys your joy. But Jesus comes to give us life full of joy. Let's not let sin kill our joy. Now, what are some other things that impact joy growing and flowing out of our lives? What's your fear factor? What are you worrying about right now? Maybe you're pregnant and you're really fearful about bringing a baby into the world at this point. Maybe you're worried about your family Maybe you're fearful that your business or your job is not going to survive this latest round of restrictions. Maybe you lay at wake fearful that your marriage is deteriorating or or friends or family's relationships are in trouble. Are you worried about contracting this virus? 
These are all valid concerns, especially in our present reality. But if we're letting fear run rampant in our mind and our heart, it's going to kill your joy. It's like fear has a big monster with big feet that stamps out any kind of life. Remember, it comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But just as confession and forgiveness overcome sin, so trust is stronger than fear. Trusting that God has his hand upon you no matter what happens. He's going to be with you, loving and supporting you, and bringing life and goodness out of what seems like disappointment and death. There are two promises that we can stand on. Hold on to. The first is nothing is impossible with God. And the second one is I will never leave you nor forsake you. God says. And just like Mary, even when it doesn't make sense, we need to choose to trust God. And it's in that environment that our joy will grow. So along with sin and fear, another thing that causes joy to dwindle is what we choose to focus on. If we focus on the things that we've lost, our disappointments, it's going to create an environment where joy cannot thrive. I was so excited last weekend to put up the Christmas tree. Hardly wait to do it. And with every decoration I put on, instead of feeling my joy grow, I started to focus on the kids weren't there to help us. It was always a family activity we did. And then I got thinking about Christmas and how we're going to be alone. And then and I don't even know how to cook a turkey for two people. My focus... And I was, if my joy had been a plant, instead of being strong and robust, it had started to droop because of what I was focusing on. When we shift our focus from what we've lost to what we still have, that's when joy starts to come alive, grow and become robust. Gratitude acts like miracle grow fertilizer. You want to see yourself starting to experience overflowing joy? Start verbalizing the things that you're grateful for. No, I can't go and visit my mother-in-law in her care facility, but I'm grateful I can call her every day. No, our kids who are scattered around the world can't come home for Christmas. Even though I'm Zoomed out, I'm grateful for Zoom. Whatever your level of health is that you have today, be grateful. If you have your physical needs met today, be grateful. If you're struggling to have your physical needs met today, be grateful that there are people and agencies like our church who are there to walk alongside you and help you in this time of need. And the reality is that if everything else was stripped away, everything. We lost everything. We are blessed because we have a God who loves us, who cares for us, who holds us in the palm of his hand, covers us in the shadow of his wing, and he sees us even in our darkest hour. And I'm not saying, be happy, be happy. No. There's a lot of people 
who are struggling financially, relationally, emotionally. Some of us may even have a hard time getting up in the morning. We're struggling with depression and anxiety. This pandemic has gone on too long, and you feel hopeless. Joy seems like the farthest thing from your reality. But I want you to know, you are not alone. God has promised to never leave you, to never forsake you. And he wants you to, the experience, he wants you to experience the fullness of joy that comes through his presence. God ushers in joy. And sometimes the joy that God offers is brought into our lives through somebody else. You see, God promised, and he was with Mary, but he also led Mary in her situation to go to Elizabeth. And then God used Elizabeth to nurture the joy in Mary so that it would overflow. Community helps joy grow and flow. Maybe your role is to reach out. You need to contact your Elizabeth. Text them, write them, call them, email them, do something. If you need somebody to encourage and to help your joy grow, reach out and find somebody to help do that. Don't let this pandemic shut down the community that we all need. Maybe you're called to be an Elizabeth. Call out the good in what God is doing around you. Be intentional. Text that friend that you haven't heard from for a while. Ask God who would be blessed, who would have their joy increased by receiving a dozen cookies from you, even if they're store-bought. Ask the Spirit to reveal to you who needs support, who needs their joy nourished. Ask them. And I guarantee you that's a prayer he's going to answer. He's going to lead you to people who need their joy bolstered. And this leads me to one final way that we can nurture joy. Generosity. You know, the passage of the talents in Matthew 25, Pastor Henry spoke on it a few weeks ago, gives a glimpse into the joy that comes when we are using what God has given us. To the servant who was given abundant gifts and he used them to increase the kingdom, the master said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Look it up, that's what it says. The joy of your master. You know, when I have the privilege of standing here and sharing the message, I experience a joy in the depth of my belly because I am being faithful to use the gifts that God has given me. I experience tremendous joy when I am able to support a young woman in India to have her be trained in sewing skills. It gives me, it just bursts me with joy when I can buy some small personal care items to give to the pregnancy care center to bless women like Tina that I spoke about at the beginning. And you know what? It blesses me to buy an extra package of spaghetti and put it in the, the uh, box for the food bank. When we're generous with whatever God has given us, whether it is much or little, joy 
is going to grow. It's going to well up. It's going to overflow. Each one of us has been given today. Let's use it. Let's turn off the news and the Netflix and start making phone calls and writing emails, bake some cookies, whatever it is. Let's start spreading the love of God and watch our joy grow. Let's proclaim, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I want to stop there for a second and take note of, there's been a change of word. Up until now, I've been using the word joy. But that last verse uses rejoice. You see, joy is a noun. It's what the Spirit develops in us. It's what we pass on. But rejoice is what I do, what you do. It's a verb. It's an action. It's an actment of our will. There are a few things that we can control. In fact, that's one thing we've all learned during this pandemic is there's so much we cannot control. But we can control how we respond to our circumstances and how we allow the Spirit to develop and mature us in the midst of these interruptions. And that's where we will have joy when we choose to rejoice. When we live this way, it gives glory to God. We will never be the, cha- be the same. And we have the opportunity to infect others with our joyfulness. Did I use the word infect? I did. But you know why? Because we all need to be contagious with joy. No one wants to be contagious, right? You know, we do 14-day quarantines and wear personal protective gear and socially distance. Public health announcement, don't pass on the virus. Here's a public spiritual announcement. Become infectious with joy. Allow God to do a deep work in your heart. Express gratitude. Reach out. Pour into your community. Look for opportunities for God to use your gifts of time and resources and abilities to share the joy that God has created in you. And then your joy will be complete, overflowing, exuberant, great, Those aren't small words. Let me say them again. Overflowing, exuberant, great joy. And we'll be able to shout along with Mary, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices, a choice, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I'm going to close in a minute with just a, one final challenge. But first of all, the worship team is going to come, and we're going to sing a song together, a song that talks about what God has done in our lives, how he has taken circumstances, pain, um, sorrow, brokenness, and brought good out of it. So I encourage you, as we sing, to be thinking about, God, how have you done this in my life? And choose to rejoice in what he has done.